Hello podcast fans, it's Will here. Uh, on today's episode we are about to get stuck into uh, Take That and Party by Take That. Now Dan is a massive Take That fan and also he's a filthy booger. So let's just see how on today's episode long it takes him to reference Take That's bare buttocks. Uh, and I'm sure we'll have a good laugh about it when he eventually does. Enjoy the episode. I'm Robbie. I'm Gary. I'm Matt. And I'm Edward. I'm Jason. We are that. Hello. Hello. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast where we take a great pop music album and break it down track by track. So come on, come on, come on, come on. Track by track and party. Because on the turntable this week, we've got Take That and Party by Take That. Five hunky guys back in the day. They were, well... Are you saying because now there's only three honky guys? Yes, that's exactly it. But we're leaping ahead. Welcome back to Track by Track. Yes, unless you're one of our patrons who have already had two wonderful episodes so far this month. Uh, What have we had so far, Will? Uh, So far this month, our Patreon subscribers have had the pleasure of uh, our episode on Spice by Spice Girls and also on the second electronic album. Raise the pressure and you lifted your hands up as you was, as I said that and reminded you what it was called. Uh, And those are Patreon exclusive episodes uh, and not uh, for general release yet. This is our our first uh, episode open to all and available to all uh and what i want to kick off with because we've had a bit of a break from recording uh have you been anywhere nice on your holidays sir uh well i was gonna say i've had a staycation but actually people don't know what that word means do they staycation is literally staying inside your house not going around your own country so yes well i've had a staycation actually no let's not lie i have been away i've had a weekend away to bristol to see you Oh, and we certainly had a giggle in Bristol that weekend. And a bit of a falling out as well. Yes, you were furious when you found out that you had to pitch yourself a tent in my back garden. Uh, (laughs) I should have been a bit clearer about that. But you made the best of it with those carrier bags. Yes, and there's only two um, intrusions by the foxes. Uh, but I hope you had a nice time. I I did think uh, we showed you a bit of the good old-fashioned Southwest hospitality. I'll fill in my feedback form at a later date. I will get that back to you. No, don't worry. It's not four in a bed. Um, I don't want to sit down across the table and have a Barney with you again. we (laughs) did have four in a bed, didn't we? (laughs) And we did sit down across the table and have a Barney as well, shortly afterwards. What was his surname? Barney Sumner? Uh, Rubble. So, Dan, we're going to be talking about Take That. Uh, we're going right back to the beginning with Take That. What are you looking forward to most about this episode today? I think talking about Take That songs, Will. 
Uh, they And this is a great album of them. What a time it was for Take That, this album. It really was. And also, we have done two Take That episodes so far. We've done Progress and we've done three. So it's lovely to go back to phase one of Take That's career. And not only phase one, but the debut album. This is where it all started. And there are some brilliant pop songs on here. So take that. The boys themselves have already introduced themselves at the start of the episode. Uh, Gary Barlow, Donald... Donald Howard Trump. (laughs) Howard Donald. Robbie Williams, Jason Orange, uh, and Michael Owen. Close, but no cigar. Also, Howard Donald, more famously known as Zip, as one of the finalists on The Masked Dancer a few weeks ago. Oh, uh, did you watch that series? I did, and I, I'll be honest, I'm, you know what, I'm, I'm quite two-faced, I'm quite fickle. When I saw it announced, I thought, what on earth, how is it going to work? It sounds ridiculous, I'm not watching that. And I watched every single episode and I really enjoyed myself. I didn't watch it, but I didn't watch The Masked Singer either. Uh, so I just lost on me that is I don't watch ITV oh no now this is going to go back to the origins of Take That and this when they first started out they were everywhere and I think it was way back in the very late 80s that the shout originally went out uh, and the origins with Nigel Martin Smith to form uh, a five piece boy band or a boy band went out Uh, this album came out in 1992 and they were everywhere they really would do everything and anything to get seen and to get discovered at the time is that why you like them so much you can relate to them no 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 i actually love this album uh i've not been as big a fan of take that's later work and i just love how raw and dance uh focused this album is very much of its time yeah, completely of its time. I was really surprised when I listened to this in the run-up to recording because I, as I've said before on the episodes where I've talked about Progress and 3, I'm a big Take That fan. I've been a big Take That fan for a long time. But I only really, if I'm going to sit down and put an album on or some of their songs on, it will generally be something from the last few years. Uh, probably more likely to be Progress or 3. And so I went back to this thinking, oh God, I know there's some like really cheesy stuff on here. I know there's some like high energy stuff that's probably really dated that's what that's the stuff i like well i was so surprised at how much i enjoyed it and there are some album tracks that were just embedded in my memory i I was singing along to them and then there were some that i'd completely forgotten as well so yeah really it's a great it's a great monument to where they started and it is yes a lot of it stands up today and dan have you got a favorite memory from this era well Back then, back when Take That were huge, I suppose maybe just after this era, so just around that time, I remember around Christmas time, they would always show the Take That, like they did a tour every year, didn't they? And they'd show it on Channel 4, and we, as a family, would record it on, on a VHS, um, and then I would watch them back over and over again. So I, I just remember, I didn't see them live at that time, but just their live shows were amazing. Well, I was just going to say, I'm sure we'll come on to talk more later about your well-worn Take That VHSs from the early days. Certainly, um, the Do What You Like video. Why is that? Do 
my favourite things. Jelly ice cream and bare buttocks. There we have it, listeners. He mentioned it before we even got into the first track. So if you had pre-track one uh, in the uh, sweepstake, then you are a winner. And your track-by-track goodie bag will be straight out in the post to you. What's in there? Uh, it's just some goodies. Jelly, squirty cream, and a, a candle moulded in the shape of my buttock. <laughs> well, also, we, before you even ask me, the reason we're talking about this episode today is because yesterday, on the 12th of July, it marked 30 years since the release of Do What You Like, the 30th anniversary of Take That's debut single. Uh, and they're certainly uh, looking fresh today as they are back then. They certainly are looking very fresh-skinned on the album artwork, but more of that later. And Tort of Buttock as well, I'd imagine, in the video that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. Shall we get stuck in, anyway? Let's get stuck in. We've got a lot to talk about with this one. We have, so let's kick off side one, track one, I Find Heaven. heaven there and that's just such a light airy whimsical way to kick off this album Uh, i wouldn't say it's representative of a lot of the tracks on the album but it does make me think about a summer's day out on great yarmouth seafront oh that's lovely is that where the video was filmed is that why i don't know actually just just you say some words dan and i'll i'll find that out whilst you're uh, gabbing on well i will i'll think of some words to say well this one, one of the things I love about this is that it opens with Robbie, with a Robbie vocal. And of course, back then, Gary did the bulk of the singing. Uh, so it's lovely on this one that him and Gary share the main vocals and some wonderful harmonies as well. But I think the thing that really stands out to me about this one, and you hinted at it before, is it doesn't really sound like anything else on the album. And I knew there were some covers on this album. So in my head, this was a cover and it's only in the last few weeks of researching that I've realized actually it's an it's a strange one because it's not a cover but it's also not written by Gary or the band either this one was written by Ian Levine and Billy Griffin uh, uh Nick Nick's dad perhaps a second cousin twice removed he went on to replace sorry Billy went on to replace Smokey Robinson as the lead singer of the Miracles and Ian Levine went on to be a manager for Bad Boys Inc Oh, and we all remember them. Yes. What was your favourite Bad Boys Inc. song? I'd have to say uh, Don't Talk About Love was always one of my favourites from them. Uh, And Dan, for your benefit and our listeners, let's have a little snatch of it now. Oh 
loop back on the music video for iPhone Heaven, it was actually Sandown Beach on the Isle of Wight. Isn't it funny how that memory, you wasn't quite sure that was what the music video was, but it was just somehow imprinted on your, on your brain. They had a lovely day out. Uh, this was the fifth single to be released from this album, uh, and it got to number 15 in the singles charts. And I have to say, well, it's not one of my favourite Take That songs of all time. It's not one of my favourites in the album. But I'll tell you who really doesn't like this one, and that's the band. Uh, in Gary's autobiography, My Take, he said that they effing hated this one. Um, and they they haven't, since the very early days, they've never performed it live, and I don't think they will again. Whereas even Do What You Like got a look in at a recent tour is a little ditty in the middle. But this one, they absolutely despise it. Also, uh, Jason isn't credited with uh, having vocals on this track. And also, apparently some of the vocals, some of uh, Robbie's parts, aren't him. Some of the higher notes are the songwriters. So uh, it's a bit of a shambles, this one, Will. I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about all of this. They really uh, started off with a shit show rather than setting their stall out. Track two now. Once you take the look. So once you tasted love, there second track, third single released, uh, got to number forty-seven in the singles charts. This was very much in their infancy still, as they were trying to make an impact. I compared to the first track, Dan. This is huge improvement. You have got some great, uh, some great synths, some, some some great percussion in there, and I absolutely love the end of the chorus into the second verse. Yeah, some wonderful sounds in there. It's a great song. I love this one. And I'm going to say something quite controversial now. And I think you're either going to be quite surprised at how much you agree with me or you're going to laugh me down. But I'm going to say it anyway, Will. <laughs> Go on then. The sounds of this song, the big beats, the electronics throughout it, the crowd noise that comes in, the female vocals. I don't think this is too far removed from the KLF's The White Room or certainly some of the songs on that. Oh, Dan, there's an opinion and a half. Mm. Uh, well, I, I can see where you're coming from, but I dare you to go to the KLF boys and say it to their faces. See what they say, have to say about that. Well, you never know. You know, they, they did the Kylie Jason song, so they, they're not unafraid of a pop track or two. Yeah, which that was a huge cynical piss take to have a hit record, wasn't it? It wasn't like, it wasn't like their origin sound or, or something that they were really famous for. And also, oh. it, it flopped as well. Don't forget. It I mean, flopped, it's a brilliant, yeah. it's a brilliant track, but it flopped. Uh, available on streaming services for the first time as well. That track. Yes, it's lovely. It's lovely to know that since our episode celebrating the White Room, they've decided to put a lot of their music on uh, streaming services. The power of track by track. Uh, so yeah, number forty-seven. This got to in the chart, um, and uh, in the enemy, they said it was synth mungus. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I I think synthmongus and high energy rompalongs uh, are two very good things that I absolutely love. So I'm taking that as a big positive. Uh, high energy rompalong. 
Is not that my words, to... the words of enemy. Is that talking about music or? Yeah, there's nothing mucky going on there. This one opened the ultimate tour, which is the tour when the four lads got back together after that infamous documentary back in a, a year I can't remember. Um, but I always thought it was a really odd track to open with because, of course, it was never a big hit, as you said, number 47. Uh, but what was great about it was that Beverly Knight was one of the opening acts and she did the female vocals on this one. Oh, you're right, Beverly Love. Love Beverly Knight. She just... I was going to say she gets everywhere. Not in a bad way, though. She's just up for anything, I think. She just completely loves music. And whether it's doing kind of a soulful covers album or whether it's performing with Take That, she's up for it. She's down for whatever. Now, there's a great B-side on this, but uh, we're going to save that till later. And this one, Will, was written by Gary and produced by Duncan Bridgman. Interestingly, Duncan went on to form One Giant Leap. And they did a song called My Culture featuring Robert Williams years later in 2002. Do you remember that one? Ah, that's nice. They picked their relationship back up again later on. in. So track three now. First big one for you, Dan. This is only, it only takes a minute. It only takes a minute. takes a minute there this one if you didn't know is a cover version this was originally done by the Tavars um but I have to say Will I didn't know that for a long time and I think I actually forgot that as well because I think more than uh I found heaven this sounds like a take that song this sounds like a take that song of this era it sound I could well believe that Gary wrote this in between do what you like and satisfied for example this was the first big hit for them. So this is the first top 10 hit. Uh, and rightly so, because it's a cracking little number. So this got to number seven in the singles chart back in uh, 1992. And it's got a cracking dance beat to it. And I just love the start of this song. After the It Only Takes a Minute Go and then the synthesis that kicks in there that electronic sound is brilliant and it gives the song an urgency that wouldn't have been present in what could have been quite a frothy lightweight pop song like i found heaven yeah definitely uh production on this one is nigel wright nigel has worked with everyone from boyzone and robson and jerome to madonna and cliff richard uh, and I, I reckon this is probably huge in the pubs and clubs back in the day as well. Had some lyrics in it that could be adopted by particularly the gay community. Yeah. Actually, Smash Hits said that this sounds like the village people. And I'd never thought of that until I read that. And I can hear it, actually. In, in the production, in the lyrics, which of course aren't theirs. But um, overall, I don't think it's too far removed. The video was quite homoerotic as well because they were in a boxing club, sweaty and, you know, throwing themselves around the place. In the ring together, fisticuffs. But talking of pubs and clubs, of course, around this time, Take That were touring lots of very small, very intimate venues. And the reason probably why there were a few covers on this album is because they were doing these high energy versions of 
I was going to say classic songs. Would you say classic songs? Certainly older songs. And you can imagine them, can't you? Wearing wearing very little on stage uh, and, you know, potentially at heaven. I was going to say, I was going to try and loop it back to I Found Heaven. They probably did find heaven. Yeah, it's just under the arches, isn't it? Near the uh, near Charing Cross Station. Uh, lovely vocal, again, shared by Robbie and Gary on this one. And I love how playful it gets as the as the choruses build and build and build. There's lots of ad-libs. There's a lot of energy to this one. I have to say, Will, it is one of my karaoke songs. Now, we've never actually... I think we've joked about it a few times, but we've never actually done karaoke together, have we? As in, been in a group of people... Uh, doing karaoke or sung a song together no and i think this could be the one one of us can be robbie one of us can be gary track number four now and it's time to turn the lights down low find catch the eye of that person across the other side of the disco that you've been plucking up the courage all evening to go over to ask them for a dance really enough but don't forget what you have heard Trying to say three words The words that make me scared A million love songs are made up Here I am trying to tell you That I care A million love songs are made up Here I am So a million there, and I expect many a bouncer uh, has had to separate a tent-trousered young man and a <laughs> girl uh, oh. apart from each other at the end of the night in the nightclub as the lights have come up. That might quite possibly be the worst thing you've ever said. It's a shame you didn't save it for our patrons, Will. <laughs> yes, because our patrons do get some of the filthiest jokes as well now. Are we doing jokes now? <laughs> but quite right. Well, it's a very saxy song, this one, isn't it? Full of harmonies as well. I think this is the first time we really got to see Gary as, you know, the serious songwriter, the ballad writer. You know, he played a part the in... Cro- the, the crooner. The crooner, the crooner sessions, of course, mm. from, from lockdown. And of course, since then, he has gone on to write some of the best pop ballads of all time. Back for Good. Patience, Rule the World, even Forever Love from his debut solo album and his debut solo single, an incredible song. Um, but I, I, I feel like, I don't know if it was right at the time, but I feel like this is him in his element. And I'd imagine this st- still has life, still has legs even today. Oh, live, this one goes down a storm with fans. Have you seen them live, Will? I want to say No. So I think I'll say no. Well, <laughs> I don't to think erase I the memory? Did you not have a nice time? I just, um, I don't think I have, no. Oh, you wasn't approached by a trouser-tented young man, was you? Or even worse, a... Trouser-tented old man. <laughs> <laughs> In the park. Um, they are, it will be of no surprise to take that fans listening to this, but to anyone really, their live shows, since they got back together, even before, but even more so since they got back together, their live shows go down an absolute storm. Uh, I've been lucky enough to see them on the Ultimate Tour when they first got back together, on the Progress Tour, and at Hyde Park a few years ago as well. And it's just the most incredible show. There's always, every year, there's a rumour floats around about them going to Glastonbury. What do you think? Uh, I don't know if it would be their cup of tea, to be honest. What, Glastonbury's or Take That's? 
Uh, both. I think they'd be uncomfortable bedfellows. Oh. And you have had some uncomfortable bedfellows, haven't you? Such as the time uh, Michael Evis accidentally got into my tent thinking it was his at a oh. Glastonbury. Quite hairy. Funny, funny thing to say. Uh, this track has been a favourite uh, for X Factor contestants in its heyday. So the likes of Leona Lewis, JLS, uh, Shane Ward, uh, and uh, James Arthur, and uh, young Lloyd Daniels performed. Lovely Lloyd Dude. Daniels. Lovely Lloyd. This was the sixth single to be released from the album. It was another top tenner for them uh, back in October 92. Got to number seven. There is a shorter album version and an extra length six minute plus lovers mix. And didn't you say to me um, a while ago that uh, your auntie did actually have full sex to the lovers mix and to completion? <laughs> Half right, Will. It was to this song, but they can only manage the standard album version. Three minutes, 52 seconds. Oh, and actually, I think they actually requested a radio edit to knock <laughs> a few seconds off. Uh, or a Eurovision edit and make it just three, three hard minutes. Lovely. <laughs> three pounding minutes. <laughs> uh, and as we move on to track five now, I'm sure she was satisfied. Satisfied there, and lyrically, lyrically, very you. This one will never satisfied. I no, I'm quite uh, restless, unreasonable, and I change my mind a lot. I am going to have that put on your gravestone. Uh, unapologetically, so actually. So this is uh, it's definitely an album track, kind of just approaching halfway through the album. But it's a great little dance, piano-driven uh, dance number which has got a great bounce to it, though. And the chorus is very memorable. But I don't know if the rest of the track is so much. It's Yeah, I do. I, I enjoy the production of this one. It's quite chaotic almost, isn't it? It's quite jagged. Uh, there is a great uh, music breakdown in the middle. There's a great outro of the repetition of When Will You Be Satisfied? Uh, but yeah, this is the first album track we've come to at track five and definitely the right decision. However... There is a music video for this one, Will, and that was featured on Take That and Party, the video. Now, did you have that in your collection or did you have any other uh, pop VHSs on your shelves? No, the only one I had was One Hour of Girl Power. Oh, same. Which we spoke about last week. On our exclusive for our Patreon subscribers episode. Uh, so what? how does the video go, Dan? Just for anyone that can't be asked to go onto YouTube. Oh, God, no, Will. I couldn't be asked to watch it. I just read that they recorded one for it. I saw a little preview on uh, Apple Music, actually. So I think you can watch it for free on there. And this one, Will, written again by Gary and produced again by Duncan Bridgerman, who, of course, produced Once You've Tasted Love. Which brings us nicely then on to track six, which is I Can Make It. I 
Honestly, Dan, that is awful. I'll share my opinion after you've dissected the pictures. So this is quite—I must say, this is a bit iconic. This album cover um, because it was their first one, uh, and it's got all five boys jumping in the air, uh, various stages of their jump, where Jason is still on the ground, Gary is kind of cock cocked of leg, Howard. <laughs> Mark and Robbie are all very much up in the air and you've got quite a wavy logo of Take That and Party with their now fa- world famous two T's um, vertically upside down to each other. I do like this image. It's, like you said, it's iconic, very of its time. The, the fashion, the, just the, the colours versus the black and white, the logo. I'm a big fan. I do like the idea that for them to look like they're having the party, they've got to jump into the air. Well, that's how we have a party, isn't it? No, I'd prefer to sit down at a party. For a dinner party nowadays. Oh, dinner party uh, with the full works. So you're not a fan of this song, Will. I have to say, when I played the album, again, getting ready for this episode, I hadn't played it for a lot of years, this song was just embedded in my mind. I could sing every word of the chorus. I I, I really do like how it's almost Disney-fied, but um, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. It sounds... Nothing like anything else on the album, even compared to the other big ballad, A Million Love Songs. So much more polished and poppy in its production. But I'm a fan, Will. It's very schmaltzy. Uh, I don't think even some parts of it are in key that very that that much. Uh, and yeah, it's just a bit... Um, it's at the same time too much and not enough. Also, Will, we don't really talk about being key and kind of technicalities on this podcast. I don't know if you've ever listened before. It's more just uh, bare buttocks and <laughs> smut and innuendo, essentially. We might talk and then mention the other thing about a song. Let's move on. Track number seven now. Do what you like. So Do What You Like, as we mentioned, released 30 years ago yesterday. Uh, the first single ever released from Take That. And Will, was it a hit? It was a dismal failure. But uh, as the boys said themselves, on retrospect, in retrospect, sorry, it the video and the song did a job in getting them noticed and getting them out there. So, although it wasn't a hit, you could say it did something for them. I just hope that they weren't all sat around the radio on that Sunday, waiting and waiting, listening to the top 40, and then it reached number two, and they were thought, bloody hell, lads, it's gone in at number one. And then 
later finding out it didn't chart at all. I'd feel quite sad for them. I just I say this quietly, I don't, but I quite I like it. It's got a brilliant like early nineties dance beat to it. I mean, I definitely think it sounds it sounds like a first single. It sounds like a something that's not quite established yet, that's kind of finding its feet. It's I think even musically <laughs> No, not doing musically. Okay. Um it's Musically much, <laughs> <laughs> It's much more simple than some of the other high energy tracks on here the with the beat with the chunky piano keys with the little electronic shimmers um i you know i don't think i don't think the band would say it was the best single they've ever released i don't think any fan would say this is their favorite take that song if you do think that then do please let us know at track by track uk i'd be very surprised if you hear from anyone about that um and then lyrically very simple it's almost like a rewriting of do re mi Jam, can't take no more, you took my bread. Something about a recipe. Ice cream? I don't know. Uh, that's probably where the ice cream in the video came from, on the buttocks. Uh, and if you do want to have full sex to this song, there is a 6 minutes 14 version. Speaking from experience. Or, or like Dan, you might just want to take a pounding in 3 minutes. <laughs> Will, this one was written by that famous iconic duo Barlow and Hedges. Oh, was that pre or post Benson? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Um, Hedges is, of course, Madman Hedges, who I believe we talked about on the Hearsay episode a few months ago. Um, and then produced by Graham Stack, who has worked on everything from Kylie's On A Night Like This to H and Claire's DJ to the remix of You Spin Me Around by Dead or Alive. Many, many things. So, number eight now, this is Promises. Promises there. This was the second single from the band. The thing I was most surprised to read about this, Will, is that according to Wikipedia, which I don't often look at ahead of recording, but I just happened to stumble across it. Uh, apparently the music video for this shows the hysteria of fans around this time. Now, considering this was their second single and considering the first one flopped, quite bemused at how they had uh, so many fans. I'm sure they had a loyal following, a core base fans all these lovely ladies now who are alongside you the last time you saw them perform live i'm sure absolutely and i think that's one of the things that the band love isn't it the fans from back then probably the fans chasing them around in their transit van are now mums or even grandmothers just uh, are all the fans driving transit vans or is it take that in a transit van no the fans they're mowing them down <laughs> absolutely bonkers do you know what? This is like my favourite track on the album and I still love it. I think it's brilliantly produced. Uh, and I'm not surprised because... Well, Dan, tell, tell us who the producer of this track is. Uh, Pete Hammond on production on this one. Uh, so someone from very much from the heyday of brilliant high-energy pop music. 
but someone who's also uh, done some fantastic remixes uh, more recently. Well, I say more recently, but semi-recently. And then co-writing with Gary, it's Graham Stack who produced Do What You Like, Man of Many Talents. This, you did say, Dan, it was a single, it was a second single. This just got into the top 40, so it gave them their first hit. Uh, How lovely for them. Got them into number 38. I think, actually, it's very catchy, it's very well produced, it's got a great, again, high-energy dance vibe to it. Should have been a lot bigger. Should have, but it's nice to know, like, I like the, I like the following the sort of path of their singles from that one that didn't chart then you've got this first you know just inside the top 40 they did it the old-fashioned way didn't they They didn't go straight in with a number one um and i can tell why this one did better because it instantly just feels like a stronger song and a stronger production than do what you like but i also love the fact that the b-side of this one was do what you like it's as if they were saying you will bloody have this song and you will bloody well (laughs) like it we're gonna have another crack at it um, but still, no cigars for the boys on Sunday evening at seven o'clock when their chart announced number one. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. So just check. I just did. Did prefer it on a Sunday, to be honest. Well, I'm not so keen on a Friday. Doesn't doesn't sit well with me. I'm too busy on Ch- a Friday. What are you doing? Well, working. Charts on a Sunday, top of the pops on a Friday. That's how it should have always stayed. Thursday, top of the pops on a Thursday. Oh, it's Friday in my day, I think. No, Thursday. I'm going to have a look at that. Should we pop the next song in and I'll do some research? Yeah, next one. Uh, Why Can't I Wake Up With You? Uh, track number nine. Why can't I wake up with you? So you're there when I open my eyes. Baby, why can't I wake up with you? You're my can't i wake up with you there and dan if i remember rightly that's what you said to the boy from the chip shop one time oh i thought he disappeared well hasn't been mentioned for a few weeks uh well no he's actually had long covid so he's uh, not been well poor lovey i did think he seemed a little bit out of breath last time we were talking Yes, he couldn't um he couldn't batter the sausages uh, as well as he used to so he's taking well and break uh, and you crept or, into his hospital ward uh, and whispered those words into his ear. And it's because the answer, and maybe the answer for the song as well, is because he's in a coma. So this, fortunately for this song, that I can make it is awful because this would have been my second choice for an album artwork song. But of course, everyone knows this song as the more upbeat version as the lead single from Everything Changes. And I just think that is so bonkers. And I can't think of any, if not many, examples of where a band has a, you know, finished, uh, produced track on an album and then reworks it and releases it as a single on a later album. Absolutely bonkers. Much better, that re-recorded, slightly rewritten and re-released and released version. There was obviously Gary's very savvy songwriter and recording artist. So we obviously saw something in this track to make it something better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm and I'm glad he did. I'm glad we have the other version. Also, it's quite nice to hear two very different versions of the same song. You don't often you don't often get that. You don't often get to see the stages of the track until you have to wait 
20 years for a uh, you know special edition version or something yes yeah, sort of music craft craftsmanship mm. craftsmanship and when you know i'm sure we might well get on to talking about everything changes uh but when this was re-released it did do extremely well and i guess very weird though because it would have been very much anticipated as the lead single from the second album so even though it did very well, I wonder if there was some disappointment that the lead single was a track people already had. Also, do we want to get into the debate around is this lead single worthy or not today? I think we should let's save it for the Everything Changes episode. Yes, absolutely. It's not. <laughs> well, spoiler alert. Uh, track number 10 now. This is Never Wants to Let You Go. Never want to let you go. Uh, that is, in fact, apparently, Will, the uh, new studio mix of that song. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know the old studio mix of that song. I'm not sure I needed to know that's the new studio mix of that one, but it is. Uh, I think it's. I think it's slightly ahead of its time in that kind of mid '90s pop R&B mid-tempo vibe that so many boy bands, girl bands, and mixed. Uh, groups did back then and I actually thought it had more of a, an American maybe an American R&B sound to that one as well maybe influenced by New Kids on the Block who of course were an inspiration for Take That maybe do you like do you like it I don't mind it to be honest Will but it's definitely it's I mean it is definitely an album track um, and I do actually wonder with tracks like this of course the band haven't played it live in decades if if ever at all. It's one of the latter album tracks. I wonder how well they actually remember these kind of songs. I wonder if you asked Mark or Howard or Gary to sing this one, if they'd have any clue what you were talking about. I honestly don't think they would. The bit I like about it though, Will, the middle eight, can't sleep, can't think, can't stop. Quite energetic, I like that bit. It's a bit like being with you at Glastonbury when you've had... Uh, Accidentally had one of those disco biscuits again. Disco biscuits. <laughs> Hobnobs. Track 11 now. This is Give Good Feeling. Don't let me go. I will be your prisoner. Hold me down and I will give you my reasons for loving you. Needing you. Do without you. I'm crazy for loving you, baby Then I will show you the way that I feel I'm holding on, trying on Just so you know I'm here waiting So, so give good feeling there. Uh, what a great track. Surprisingly great track. So late in the album, that is. Yeah, really, really strong. I think they... It, they placed it really well in the album because the melody of the song, the production of the song. We we spoke a few weeks ago about Pet Shop Boys and a song on their very album that they uh, allegedly were, they were toying with the idea of uh, giving it to take that. And listening to this song, I think maybe if Pet Shop Boys heard this, 
perhaps that's where they got that idea from to write for them because it's not, I don't think it's too far removed. It's not at all. And I think it's just a, probably their hardest dance track uh, on the album proper. And there's so many great things in there. There's like a disco siren in there, uh, lots of layers, lots of synth. Uh, and then the second verse kicks in and it gets even more so. Brilliant. There's wonderful electronics. I, I, it's one of those songs that it just keeps on giving. Uh, I, I'm in no way bored listening to this song because I know there's more to come and more to come and more to come. Uh, and it gives good feeling. It makes you feel good, makes you want to dance, makes you want to do whatever you want to do. Do what you like. Oh, that, no, that was a different one. Do what you like. So, should we move on to the penultimate track on the album? This is Could It Be Magic? Dan, that doesn't sound very familiar, but the name of the track does. What's going on? Quite right, Will. So this is, of course, uh, a cover of the Barry Manilow classic, Could It Be Magic? And this was a single, this was the final single from the album. But This is not the version that we know and love, is it? And I have to say, I do love the single version, and maybe we'll talk about that a bit more later. But this feels so cheesy and so cheap and i can imagine on one of those kind of pubs and clubs tours they were doing it's maybe for the encore or something like that but that the opening music feels like a cross between like a 90s cop show or something like that and the moment in a pantomime where a villain just sort of pops its head back out or something like that and actually your head did pop out when you were playing the lead in dick whittington didn't it for the Bristol players. Yes, uh, it was very embarrassing. Uh, I'd had some custom trousers stitched. Uh, uh, but I, well, I say I had them stitched. I did them myself because it was very low budget. And I went to do the split in a particularly vigorous dance number and all hell broke loose. And is that right that Widow Twanky had to give you a hand on stage? Yes, it just went from bad to worse, really. Uh, and then in the ensuing confusion, we both went A over T into the orchestra pit. Oh. Um, and uh, ended up with a trombone uh, on my head. So it was really uncomfortable, really unfortunate. And in fact, I've been trying to put the whole thing behind me. Thank you, Dan. Sorry to bring it up. But I was in the audience and I was saying, Will... Your, your members showing and then you were saying oh no it isn't so it's just really a tricky situation to be in uh, <laughs> oh happier times back to my amdram days oh i do love talking about them uh so this so i think what you're referring to is the rapino radio mix that will come might come on to talk about later and this is the original version uh this was a big hit uh and got to number three in the singles chart it was also last seventh and final single to be released seven singles from this album dan they kept trying you know and i think for boy bands starting out now if they even have been any recently they wouldn't 
be giving them so many chances to be successful before they pull the plug. Absolutely not. I mean, just look at poor uh, One True Voice. I mean, that's not even recent, is it? That's a long time ago. Long time ago now. Uh, also, uh, the Donna Summer version always stays with me. I think the the remix or the single version is more based on that, isn't it? And it was Donna Summer and I think Georgia Moroda worked on it as well, didn't he? And um, yeah, I think that's where they were going. The Rapino Brothers, who, of course, the year after uh, this was released as a single, worked on Rhythm of the Night by Corona, which is just one of my all-time favourite 90s Europop songs. Just phenomenal. However, Will, if you had the cassette of the album, this track was not included. Well, and I'd imagine a lot of young fans scraping their tuppences every week to to get together the, the money for the, the album would be extremely upset by that. Well, it is awful the lengths they had to go to just to be able to afford the tape, isn't it? I do want... I mean, that probably helped, didn't it, in, in them getting that big top three hit, top three, number three hit, uh, the fact that it wasn't on everyone's album. But it also did go on to win Best British Single at the 1993 Brit Awards. Well done, boys. Uh, also, Will, I think on the single version, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I think you've just got Robbie doing lead vocal on the single version. But on this, you've got Robbie, Gary and Howard, if I'm not mistaken. So you've got all the lads taking turns here. Oh. Okay, so we're on to the last track of the album proper, and this is number 13, Take That Part. high energy way to end this album it definitely hasn't petered out has it this is the furthest thing away from petering out it has and once again i just love the dance element to it and still really enjoyable i have to say uh, quite a few of these tracks uh when rediscovering and listening to this album in preparation for this episode i've now started listening to really regularly again because it's almost like a lot of the sound a lot of the dance sounds have come back around again Absolutely, yeah. It's, does that mean it's vintage? Well, it is vintage. Oh, Christ. But, Will, this song, do you think... It's an iconic song in the band's back catalogue. Of course, it's the title track to the album. We talked about how I Found Heaven was not the best song or the best opener. Should this have been the first track on the album or is it best placed here? No, this should have been the first track on the album because it was set the stall out for the album and it's called Take That and Party... Uh, but also, it's a really good introduction to kind of what the band was at, at yeah. that time as well. I don't think there's ever been a title track uh, last on an album that we've talked about on Track by Track. I can't be asked to go back through all of them because we've got a hefty back catalogue mm. uh, available for everybody. Um, also, Will, should it have been a single? I don't think it's single. It's, it's more like a kind of... A buzz track is probably what you'd call it these days, like a promo mm. track. And I think when you talked about them touring the pubs and clubs, this was definitely one of those tracks that they were teasing and getting people excited about when they were starting yeah. out. 
And there's an additional name on production on this one, Will. Phil Harding, who worked with PWL. One of his earliest jobs with them was working on Dead or Alive's You Spin Me Round, which I think we mentioned earlier, actually. Yes. So, yes, you did. Lovely. Now, a little word on the album performance and reception before we get into further listening. Um, I have to say this was very... Uh, uh, had quite a mediocre reception at the time. And I think a lot of praise for its energy uh, and kind of the explosion at the time of Five Boys uh, in a in a band. <laughs> but there were critics around, I guess, some of the more average tracks on there and some of the more kind of dance music by numbers elements on it. However, uh, it did get to number two in the UK album chart. I guess when this album came out, they were really starting to get into their own. Also, it's quite interesting because the lads didn't have a number two again until Wonderland in 2017. Oh, God, talk about backed up. (laughs) (laughs) Because every other album went to the top of the charts, of course. (laughs) So it's time for some further listening. And Dan, what are we going for with our further listening theme for Take That? Take That and Party. As always with Take That, we are sticking around this time of the band because we are going to get to Everything Changes and everything else we haven't done yet. So Will, over to you first, lovely. So I have gone for what was a B-side on Once You've Tasted Love, uh, but also featured on the expanded edition of the album. Uh, And I love this. This is Guess Who Tasted Love. So guess who tasted love there? And basically, Dan, it's a full balls out, dubby as you like dance track. Brilliant. It is brilliant. I love it. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the only track that had this sort of treatment around this time, wasn't it? Or the only one sort of that got an official release. Yes. And I love it as well because it's just so what you'd not expect from a boy band B-side or uh, like uh, hidden forgotten about track. Uh, it's just it's just great and again I've been listening to it a lot while running recently and I guess when this was obviously Once You Tasted Love was the third single from the band Um, I guess at that time the band they were still kind of finding their own sound finding who they were as artists so maybe they were leaning more towards that club dance thing maybe they thought they might head in that direction of course we know that wasn't where they'd end up Dan what have you gone for? so well we've Gave a pretty big hint about it before, but I have gone for the single version of Could It Be Magic? Now, 
that is the version that we know and love. Uh, this is still a wedding disco favourite, I think. And I think it's got the best of both worlds because it's a classic Take That song. It's also a classic Barry Manilow song. It's a wonderful production. Um, I hope we get to dance to it soon, Will. Uh, was Nana dancing to it at the wedding? Oh, of course she was, yeah. Because my Nana, Grandma, actually, a uh, big Barry Manilow fan. And she used to have a she used to have a uh, jukebox in the conservatory, and his version was on there. This is so much better than the album version. Uh, it's just got I love Robbie taking the lead, but it's just got a great uh, sound to it, and the piano really does make a difference. It just sounds like Take That, doesn't it? Versus the other the original version. It does, and there was a great moment on the Ultimate Tour um, when the four got back together. There was a Robbie recorded a new uh, section, the intro to the song that they showed as a hologram, which was a wonderful moment of the tour. Um, but yeah, so much fun. Will, I'd love for you and I to get together, dance to this, and perhaps you'd let me come into your arms. No, I will be a hologram. <laughs> We're out, out of time. time. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed our sideways look at Take That and Party uh, and have enjoyed a revisit to a classic uh, Where It All Started From album on today's Track by Track. It's great to be back. Uh, Dan, where can our listeners go if they'd love to hear some exclusive content that you can't get on Apple Podcasts and the rest? Yes, if that is of interest to you, then do head over to our Patreon, which you can find in the link on our bio as Will mentioned, patrons get an episode a week. However, all listeners, you today listening to this episode will still get one episode every other week, which is kind of the standard, isn't it, for pop podcasts? But patrons get a little bit more. Uh, and there are other benefits to be found over there as well. If you'd like to join us, uh, we also want you to decide on what we talk about in Track by Track. Yes, we are putting ourselves in your hands. How do you feel about that, Dan? Thrilled, actually. Long time coming. I, 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 well, <laughs> anyway. Uh, also, do take a moment to give us a rating and a review over on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think about Take That Party at Track by Track UK across all social media platforms. So until next time, I've been Zip. And I've been Grey Hedges. Mad Max. Goodbye. Goodbye. with Ken Bruce for a second there. <laughs> Coming up next, <laughs> Popmaster. Are you cooking tonight or is it a takeaway for a change? How dare you? <laughs> Hello, Fresh. Hello, oh. Fresh. Hello. <laughs> Never gonna let you go, cause you're my baby.